Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 135, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E, making his return after a short hiatus. We have member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, how are you? Fantastic. Glad to be here. A little bit late tonight. I know that it releases tomorrow morning regardless, so no one's really going to know besides us, but late night tonight, so it is what it is. We're going to kind of fly through this one. It's our happy birthday episode, though, so episode or three years uh, since we got our first equipment and put everything together and started this podcast, started our social media pages. So happy third birthday to us. With that said, I uh, do want to give a quick shout-out, as always, to RPW, Rage and Pro Wrestling. Their next event coming up February 10th at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. So shout-out to them, as well as Raise Energy, RepSports.com, code root gets you 15% off of any order on any of the energy drinks, lifestyle products, and more. Code root 4 root number 4 All right, Sean, with that, let's get right into it. As mentioned, trying to get through this is... Really, not as quick as possible, but relatively streamlined in being an adult about this. Uh, what have you been rooting for the last two weeks now that you're back? I I think I've just been rooting, well, kind of rooting for the Packers, trying to hopefully they turn around, but that hasn't been so great. But that that's really been about it. Gotcha. How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Yeah, I'm finally feeling better. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Uh, my Route 4 is going to be what I've been kind of pulling for the last few weeks here, and that being the Luxembourg-Casco Spartans high school football team as their playoff journey, as most of our listenership should know. Um, I've been doing the color commentary on their radio broadcast, and after Friday night's incredible game, they're going to state for the first time in program history and on the football side. Sean... When I tell you this was an incredible game, I mean, I have, I don't think I can pinpoint a more instant classic game that I have been to. Um, you know, I, if you remember, ESPN always had the instant classic, like on a game where it would go, immediately go to ESPN Classics on a rebroadcast. Yep. This was that kind of game. Uh, I'll make it as, just paint the picture as quick as I can. Uh, it was 20 to 7 at halftime. Luxembourg Casco was leading. They're playing Catholic Memorial, who's been the Division Four powerhouse in the state. I believe they've been to like five of the last six state championship games in Division Four, maybe more, maybe less than that, but around that kind of that figure. Um, and so Luxembourg Cast goes up twenty to seven at halftime. Their last score at right before the half was a ninety-eight yard touchdown run by quarterback Max Ronsman. Uh, they were backed up against the goal line, obviously, on the two-yard line. It looked like they were just running a quick quarterback draw to get off the goal line. And Max Ronsman is their leading rusher, leading obviously leading passer. Dual-threat kind of quarterback, so this isn't totally surprising. Probably their best athlete overall. And he gets the draw play, kind of gets to you know his read. He looks up. And there's no one there. He looked like he was not like a fake slide that Kenny Pickett in college, but he kind of looked like he had that intention to slide. And then he looked up, and there's 98 yards of green grass in front of him. Took off to the end zone, uh, so it's 27. Catholic Memorial comes out, scores, 
after halftime on their first drive as they get the opening or the opening kick of the quarter. And so it's 20 to 14. Uh, missed extra point looming large at this point. Uh, about five minutes left in the game. The Spartans are backed up at about the eight yard line. It's like third and 25. And on a screen pass, it gets intercepted by a defensive lineman who takes it down to the one yard line. Uh, on the ensuing play, Luxembourg Cat or excuse me, Catholic Memorial goes and scores, so it's 21-20 after the made extra point. Luxembourg Casco would go down the field, get to about the 40-yard line before being stopped on fourth down, a turnover on downs, with 2:15 left in the ball game. Had all three timeouts. Catholic Memorial, for some un- unknown reason, decides to play conservative, run the ball three straight times, and gets stopped on three straight runs up the middle and has to punt with a minute 50, or excuse me, a minute 55 to go after all three timeouts were used. Luxembourg-Casco almost gets the block, gets a tip on it, but with a friendly bounce, rolls all the way down to the 17-yard line. So minute 47, um, what is it, 83 yards to go. First play, so also no timeouts, First play from scrimmage, penalty, half the distance to the goal. So now it's first and 19 from the uh, eight-yard line, on the nine-yard line. Luxembourg-Casco goes all the way down on a couple big plays, gets to about the 13-yard line with 10 seconds left, or excuse me, six seconds left. Um, They go to kick the field goal to try to take the lead uh, with the 6.8 seconds left. And Catholic Memorial jumps offside. So now it's at the eight-yard line. And they needed all five yards of that penalty for the field goal. Kick was good by, obviously, the kicker who missed the early extra point. Uh, Worth noting, also his 18th birthday, so heck of a celebration for him. Luxembourg Casco leads by two, 23-21, 2.8 seconds left. Game's not done yet, though, Sean. Because on the next, obviously on the ensuing kickoff, two point some odd seconds left, the kick goes out of bounds. No time comes off the clock. And, of course, because it was kind of a squib kick, doesn't go the full, uh, to go to the 35, automatic to the 35, so it's a spot foul. So at the 41-yard line of Catholic Memorial. So six or 59 yards to go to the end zone. Don't have time, obviously, for like a field goal or anything like that, so you have to go to the end zone. Catholic Moore, quarterback, scrambles to the left, heaves it as far as he can, and gets to about the 10-yard line. And a lot of contact, a lot of, you know, incidental contact. No pass interference flag, but a late flag in the quarterback area. However, nobody sees this right away because it came really late. So the wide receiver for Catholic Memorial is complaining to the referee, helmet off, slams it on the ground, penalty on him. So... You can't end a game on a defensive penalty, and it's not truly offsetting because the other penalty happened after the play. So even though it technically ends up being 15 yards and 15 yards, you actually have to you actually have to march it off and march it back because it was a dead ball penalty. And so another uh, hail mary attempt on a free play, 0.0 on the clock, ends up getting intercepted. Luxembourg Casco going to state. Nice. So uh, that's another reason why we're recording uh, Tuesday. I know we've been doing some Thursdays as of late, but recording on Tuesday, kind of our our normal night, if you will, as uh, myself, I will be 
on the call at Camp Randall Thursday night, 7 o'clock uh, kickoff, 6.45 pregame. So I will have that on, on social media as well uh, if you do want to listen. If not, it is what it is. I, I won't complain. Is but, it on TV at all? Uh, the TV broadcasts should all be on the here in the Green Bay media market. will be on the CW, so Channel 14 for us here locally in Green Bay. Um, the rest of the state, check your local listings for your WIA TV affiliates. So, uh, also you can check out my broadcast on DoorCountyDailyNews.com or the new RadioSportsNetwork.com. So, with that in mind, that is my route for. We go from the positives to the negatives to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And, Sean, you got any Noogies for us? Uh, I think so. I'm going to go James Harden. Ooh. Because for him having to say he needs 10 games to get used to the Clippers is just idiotic to me. Yeah. To get comfortable, to see if he's comfortable. Yeah, that that is odd, especially considering he's got He's played with Russ before. Granted, Russ isn't a starter anymore. Right. But they've been teammates twice. Obviously, I mean, he's played on Team USA with Paul George. Right, exactly. So this isn't this isn't like rocket-breaking science or anything like that. And it, it's it's not like you're you haven't played with like you like you were saying, just you haven't played with some of these guys before. Right. And, I mean, the way that the NBA is now, I mean, these guys all, I mean, kind of like the old with Jordan, where they were playing, like, the secret scrimmages and stuff. Right. These are guys who've been playing together in some capacity for better part of 10 years, if not closer to 15, almost 20. And it just it just shows that the Sixers are, what, 9 or 8-1 and one without them, and the Clippers are 0-5 with them, something like that? That sounds about right. I don't know the exact numbers, but that sounds about right to me. So, it's just, I just don't understand it. He went from being such a great player, and now he's just... A head case. Right. Yeah, that is that is a rough break. Um, so. I've kind of got two quick nuggies. Uh, the first one, it's one that I have all the time, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the episode, but Internet Wisconsin sports fans... Always trying to have the hottest take, and there's a couple things we'll get out there throughout the episode, so I'm going to leave that one at that. The other one, it's not in the world of sports, but i got to say this. It is not reflective of my experience today or any time in the past because I've, I've had great times doing these. But, man, people who come up with these creative businesses that have no business being a business. And what I mean by that is, Sean, today I did a board and brush for work. You know what that is? Yes, I know what that is. Have you ever done one? No. It's a genius concept if, because people do it. But it's so dumb in theory to me. Because, I mean, for those of our listeners that don't know it, because I really didn't understand what the whole concept of it was. Like, I got the idea of you go somewhere and you paint stuff. I get that. But, so you go to it, you pick a design on their website or some places you know, they have it where you pick it in person. They give you a, a piece of board, like a mine was a 12 by 12 kind of canvas. And then 
you can you can texture it with like chicken wire and meat hammers and stuff or whatever you want to do. Then they give you a, then you got to stain it. Then you stencil. Then you put your stencil down. Then you paint down the stencil. And it, it I mean, again, it was a very good time with my coworkers. And by no means is this talking bad about the business that I was at today because it was a very nicely run. It was very you know very friendly people. But like between that and then you know there's like the rage rooms that we also did for a team outing. The fact that these people are charging forty fifty bucks for some of this stuff. And first of all, again, credit to them for coming up with the concept. Yeah, you're and, you're, and executing you're on it. Didn't come up with it. Well, right, but at the same time, like I said, it's just it just drives me insane because it's like I can't imagine the concept of you know. I'm gonna charge somebody fifty bucks for this because I feel like I would get laughed at if I opened. If I just said, "Hey, come to my place. I'll give you a board," or some people did welcome mats or floor mats, whatever. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, again, genius, but annoying. Making more money than you are. Well, right, and that's the other problem. <laughs> <laughs> but so what anyway, what? What'd you paint? I made a sign. It says it's like kind of like the Christmas vacation with the uh, with the car with the tree on top. It says follow on top. Can I see it? Uh, it's out in the living room. I don't have it with me. Come on. Is it that bad? No, it's actually I'm pretty proud of it. If I say so myself, I'm not an artsy person for those. Again, I I got D's and C's in elementary school art. I am not an artsy person, but this turned out, again, it's almost idiot-proof because there's a stencils. <laughs> like, again, if I can make decent art with this, which, again, it was kind of it was kind of nice to have a good result on the final result. Like, that's the only thing I'm really proud about is, I'm like, oh, this did turn out like shit. But, again, just a wild concept to me. Yeah. Carolyn's doing one for her birthday, so. You get to go to that one? Huh? Are you going to that? No. She's How'd you get with, out of it? She's going with some of her cousins. Oh. Her cousins' wives, girlfriends. You lucky duck. Yep. You should go to it one time, Sean. It's a boatload of fun. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So, um,. Moving on here, no real, really good uh, Wisconsin web story of the week. Just kind of the fact that deer hunting is coming up. And actually, I guess I can kind of tie this into our Luxembourg Casco story. Is Luxembourg Casco is shutting down school on the 15th, which would be Friday, because of the amount of people who requested off on the staff day after the high school football state championship game, which is Thursday. And the day before deer hunting, which, as some people come to know, is not like a universal holiday. It's really only one in Wisconsin. Like, I remember how many times we had off of school that Friday before because half the school wasn't there anyway. Yep. I know, I know Lena's off the whole week, all next week. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of our, our Wisconsin web story, just the fact that how many people take off of work and deer hunting and or for deer hunting or off of school and you name it to the point where a school has to shut down because so much staff, again, 
kind of tying in with that state championship game as well. Obviously, that that contributes to it too. But wild, wild concept to me. Yep. Um. So that is our Wisconsin web story of the week. And no trivia this week, no draft this week with only the two of us. So we can get right into the world of sports, Sean. And we are cruising. I'm pretty proud of us. So give it time. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> let's start in the city of Milwaukee. Nothing really huge on the Bucks front. Um, They're sucking. Yeah, they've been they have been struggling to cover games. They have been winning. Um, I think their overall record as of right now, they're six and four. So in their last couple of games here since we last recorded, they won last night, Monday the thirteenth. They lost Saturday and they lost Thursday night when we were recording uh against the Pacers. And that loss against the Pacers really sticks out to me because they really wasted an incredible Giannis game, 54 points, uh, 16 of 18 for free th- from the free throw line. But just kind of a struggle right now, again, just trying to kind of get the feet under them and figure out this team. Uh, this is going to be my first, kind of going back to my noogie about Wisconsin sports fans. And this ties in kind of to the Badgers as well, as everyone's so quick to point out with a new head coach, and I know that these are pro athletes in in the college game with the Badgers even, um, you know, whatever, but these are still teams that they took over. The Bucks hired a new coach because Mike Budenholzer wasn't getting the job done with the team around him. And, yeah, you bring in a new coach, and he's not been a head coach in the past, and everybody wanted Nick Nurse, but this was the guy that Giannis wanted. And ends up working out, but I, I just I don't get the quick to you know we're we're literally ten games into this season, and people are already calling for Adrian Griffin's job. Right. It's like again, just people trying to be the first and trying to be complaining about something. And I get that that's the nature of sports fans, and you know it is what it is. I'm not critiquing that per se. But it's always so much negativity. It's quick, like, that's the first solution. Oh, fire the head coach. Fire this guy. We hired the wrong guy. And it's just, like I said, we're 10 games into an 82-game season. And not that they will. I mean, they, they literally, they won't. But even if they had gone 0-10, they could, in theory, again, they won't. But they could still technically set the NBA all-time single-season record at 63-9. and Right. I mean, that's... It's, again, not going to happen. Just losing five games the rest of the season would be incredibly hard to do. But it's technically not even impossible. Right. I mean, it's technically possible that they set a new... that they set a new record. You know, in theory, again, not that this is going to happen, they could go 78-4. and Won't happen. It's literally almost impossible. But it it could. So let's let's just calm down a little bit. It's not like, you know, we're looking at, you know, a 500 season in March or April. Right. Everything's going to be fine, Bucks fans. 
Uh, staying in the city of Milwaukee, we also look at the Milwaukee Brewers, who in the last week or so have been in the news quite a lot. Uh, we've had our TikTok updates. Uh, Sean, you weren't on the show last week, so I kind of wanted to gauge your thoughts here. Craig Council, no longer the Brewers manager, kind of shocks the world going to the Cubs. So initial thoughts on that. He's he's going to a place where he can spend as much money as he want and nobody's going to bat an eye. Because Theo, Theo Epstein's still the GM there? Uh, Jed Hoyer. Jed Hoyer, okay. For some reason, I thought it was Theo. Um, yeah, Jed yeah. Hoyer is the president of baseball operations, but another mm-hmm. another Red Sox guy, so kind of the same gotcha. situation. It's, it's a place where you can go and pretty much build the team that he wants. Yeah. Instead of just working with the working with what he's got. Working with what he's given. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't blame him. I don't really- either. And and that's the thing that I think drives me nuts in, in at least the Bucks or the Brewers side of things is, yeah, he might not have given them the opportunity to match. We can say that he's the bad guy for not, Letting Mark Adonazio try to match. Mark Adonazio is never going to match that. No, there's no way. And I said this last week, and I'm I'm even stronger in my opinion of this now. This wasn't something that just came out of left field. Like I gotta feel like they were having meetings of him and um it was Craig Council, Adonazio, uh David Stearns, and now uh Matt Arnold. They had to be having off-season meetings and saying, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I expect or what I would like as the manager. Here's what we can do as the GM. Like, here's moves and guys that we can move. And then Mark and Anaz are saying, well, here's the payroll that you're going to be confined to or the target. So it's easy to say the right thing, if you will. But this didn't just come because of one year or two years. This has probably been something going on. I'd be willing to bet going back to probably 2020. Because 2018, they you know they make the run. 2019, Yelich gets hurt in the midst of an MVP-type season. And they end up falling short in that wildcard game. Say what you will about that. you know No one's really going to bat too much of an eye about that. But you really have struggled since that point. 2020, you, go, you technically go two games under 500. You make the playoffs, again, technically with the expanded... COVID playoffs, I think they would have probably been better than two games under 500 had they had a full slate mm-hmm. of season. But that's just the reality that they didn't. 2021, you're back in the playoffs. You win the division. You're, I think, the two seed. And once again, you're ousted in the first round to you know the eventual World Series champion Braves. But you had no offense. You won one game. 2022, you totally missed the playoffs. You're 10 games over 500, but you missed the playoffs. And then 2023, once again, you win the division. You're the three seed. But, again, you you can't contend. You get ousted in the first round. Granted, you can complain about the playoff format. You know, you say you, you get, you know, two bad games or one really bad game, and you're out of the playoffs, basically. Yeah, I, I get that. But there's a, there's a pattern. Right. There's this isn't just something that happened. So, yeah, I don't, I don't blame Council. Um, it would have been nice 
had it not been the Cubs, you know, if he goes to the Mets, I think people aren't as mad. And I get why people are mad. I'm not saying I'm mad enough to go spray paint his sign at Whitefish Bay right. Park. Yeah. Little, little hard. But I get why people are mad, but I also get why he did what he did. Um, in that meantime, then, so just kind of on the flip side of this, the Brewers did hire their new manager or have a basically kind of finalized terms. They're kind of no official announcement from the team, but everybody in the world knows who it's going to be. Uh, they do go with bench coach Pat Murphy, who has not managed in the pros, but has been a college ba- or a college baseball manager, excuse me. So experience there in the context of it. Your thoughts on that, Sean, on hiring Pat Murphy as the manager? Uh, I think it was just expected. You knew they weren't going to make a big splash hire or anything like that. They were just going to go with a guy that was in in house, so that the culture really didn't change, and everybody's still somewhat happy. Yeah, I had two thoughts on this myself when I first saw this last night. Uh, the first was exactly what you said. You know, this is a very unaggressive, very complacent hire that if we want to contend for an NL Central title again, that's great. It's not going to be a guy likely who takes you over the top. I I would love to be wrong on that. I mean, I think Brewers fans are going to be happier in theory that he's more of a, a kind of a feel baseball guy. He's not like the analytics guy that council was. So, you know, a lot of a big critique of Craig Council was that he would be too, you know, here we come through the third time through the batting order. Let's get this guy out. He pulls a pitch probably an inning too early. Or he goes to a matchup instead of, you know, playing the hot hand in the bullpen or, you know, any number of kind of the same thing with the pinch hitter. So I get that aspect of it. I like that he is a more of a feel guy. Uh, he also was known to question Craig Council and not just be a yes man. So. I, I will give him benefit of doubt in that aspect. But here's the other problem that I see with this hire, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me other than just kind of being a cynical sports fan, is last week you go and announce that everybody's on the table at the major league level on your roster and that no one's off limits and that you're willing to make a trade for just about anybody. So... If that's the case, which in, you know, to my ears, again, as a Wisconsin cynical sports fan and just kind of keeping in mind of where the Brewers have been and what potentially could be coming down the road road here. I'm sitting here thinking, OK, so this great this huge sell off if they're not 20 games above 500 by Memorial Day or even here in the offseason, because you have three big contracts that you're going to have to pay in their final year of arbitration between Woodruff, Burns, and Adamas. Woodruff, who's not even probably going to play for you much this season, maybe a half season, best case scenario, depending on how this, this surgery goes. And so you've got these three big guys to pay who are definitely trade candidates, at least one or two of them. So you have those guys. You have three guys on your roster after next season that you have money committed to. And you have a whole bunch of guys who are pre-arbitration eligible that you can kind of do exactly what the Brewers have been doing. 
sell for a whole bunch of stuff because they have so much team control. Right. So all that said, you you bring in a guy who is great for the current culture for a year or two to kind of keep some of these guys happy while they're here. But it doesn't really seem like a commitment, and you kind of I, I don't get putting that report out there that you're going to be willing to sell, but then hiring a guy in-house, unless you're planning on this being a placeholder guy and then getting your, your whole new regime in two or three years. That, that, that to me is more so what it looks like is that it's just going to be a, a placeholder and we'll get once, you know, we get the Cheerio and everybody like that, brought up to the major league we're going to get a guy in there that's going to mesh with those guys and i think that's how it's going to work out yeah i just i don't get delaying the inevitable because the worst case scenario that happens now is at least based on this conversation is kind of the thing what happened with aaron Rodgers when you draft jordan love right if pat murphy takes you pretty close to the promised land or even to the promised land in the next two years because, you know, you're you're in a spot where you can't deny the reality that, you know, let's just say come Memorial Day, they're 15 games above 500 and, you know, they haven't sold yet. They're in first by five, six games, something to that effect. Well, then you're really screwed because you're you were kind of hiring a guy that you were kind of banking on being average or kind of keeping status quo. And. You know, you're winning a lot. Your roster's looking great. You know, maybe Churio is up early, and maybe some of these guys who are rookies this year are performing at a really high level after another season of, you know, another spring training at the big league level and all that. And so, and then what? Then you're committed to this guy who, again, great for the culture, but he wasn't your plan. Right. Or you're seemingly your plan. Maybe, maybe we're just too cynical, but I don't think that's the case either. <laughs> And and what happens if he outperforms Council and the Cubs for the next two three years? Yeah, I mean just because that team was horrible this year, so it's going to take probably going to take a year or two to get that team back to where where it needs to be. They weren't horrible. They missed the playoffs by a game on a tiebreaker. Oh, did I thought they were worse than that? No, they were. They would have been like the eighth seed. They lost. Oh on tiebreaker but they were still i think 10 11 games above 500 or something like that well, I'm, I'm thinking st louis that's what i'm yeah thinking. i got you if so. crit council would have gone to st louis i would have been burning shit i'm just saying like i can i can stomach the cubs right but i i don't think i could have stomached st louis i i think i think he's just he's just out to just say fuck you to ananasio do you blame him though like oh. Mark Ananasio has really struck me. Like, I mean, I knew he was cheap. Right. But the problem that bothers me the most about this is Craig Council was very clear about what his ask was and what his goal was. I mean, he wanted to rewrite the managerial contracts. He wanted to be in the neighborhood of $10 million a year. And what did Ananasio do? He did what he always does. He offered, he put an offer in that he knew he was going to turn down. That technically fits what he wanted. I mean, 5.5 would have still been a record-breaking contract right. on a per-year basis. 
But he gets to say, yep, we made our offer. We offered him to be the highest pit manager. And he he looks like the good guy. Right. He's like, oh, yep, tip up. another guy who didn't choose Milwaukee, even though we threw as much money at him as we could. Yeah. So, oh, well. So Pat Murphy, new manager of the Brewers, unofficially, as I don't think the Brewers have officially announced him as manager, but for all intents and purposes, barring something incredibly wacky, that is the managerial hire. Uh, turning our attention now to the college game. Uh, let's start with college basketball. Quick trip around the state here on that. Uh, Green Bay Phoenix are in action as we speak. They are currently trailing to former Horizon League foe Valparaiso. Now the Valparaiso Beacons as opposed to the Valparaiso Command. Or, excuse me, Valparaiso. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, you were doing so good. Crusaders. Uh I knew I, I would get there eventually. So they were the Valparaiso Crusaders. They had to change their name, too? I don't know if they had to or if they chose to, because they, they did switch conferences. They're now in the Mississippi, uh, Mississippi Valley Conference. Yeah. So I don't know if that was... Because uh, it's not necessarily like an offensive thing. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to speculate, because that's probably going to get us in trouble. And we... <laughs> I, I want to hit another birthday. I don't want to get canceled before we hit four years. But I think they can cancel us, can they? I don't think we're big enough to get canceled. <laughs> but, again, heaven forbid that I say something stupid now, and eventually down the road somebody comes back and listens to this once we're rich and famous. Or, no, I'm kidding. But, right. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, so looking around the rest of the state of Wisconsin, so Green Bay trailing, they're at one and one on the season. They got handled by Iowa State, as to be expected. Uh, they did win a non-D1 opponent last week, St. Francis of Illinois. Kind of one of those, as much of a get-right game as you can have as a mid-major or a small mid-major. That's just the reality of the situation. All these schools, they have to play those, right? Because they don't get to play. I mean, they don't get to play Green Bay. You know, it's like Wisconsin playing Green Bay for so long. It's That's kind of their version of it. Um, so Green Bay did get that win. They do trail 55-48 with about four minutes left in tonight's game. Uh, the Badgers also losing tonight. They dropped to 1-2 and two on the season. They lose to Providence, who's at 3-0, 72-59. Really just kind of too early to tell on what Wisconsin Badgers are going to be. They looked pretty decent against... Tennessee on Friday night, who was a top 10 ranked team. Uh, they did lose to, or they did beat Arkansas State. They set a Cole Center record with 105 points, which previously had been, I think, a Sweet 16 game with Oregon in it. It wasn't even Wisconsin playing. So a new franchise or new program record. Uh, Marquette, the fourth ranked team in the country, is 2 0. They are currently playing Illinois. They lead 57 52 in that one. And the Milwaukee Panthers, which I don't usually shout them out, but look at me being a good person. They are currently trailing to Colorado, who is the 25th ranked team in the country, 49 to 29. Milwaukee is at one and one. They won their first game, which was another non-counter, or excuse me, non-counter for the D3 school. They beat uh, D3 Wisconsin Stout, 91-73. 
and lost to Providence 79-69. So trailing to Colorado tonight. They're back in action Friday playing Luther College, which I believe is another D3. Not 100% on that, but uh, so they'll play Luther on Friday. The next Green Bay men's game is going to be Monday night of next week. They play Montana State out in Bozeman in a little bit of a pre-holiday holiday tournament. So they'll play back-to-back nights, Montana State and UC Riverside next week, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, the Green Bay women are 1-1 one one on the season. They won their, they lost their opening game against Northern Iowa. They go on to come back home, beat Illinois State pretty convincingly, so good win for them. They return, or I believe they're on the road again this week as they play Creighton Thursday night. The Creighton Blue Jays. So 22nd ranked team in the country. Plays the Green Bay Phoenix women. Another, again, just a powerhouse program. So that should be a good one if you're paying attention there. So that is a quick look at college basketball here in the state. College football. uh, The Badgers lost a really rough one this last weekend against Northwestern. Uh, Caught pieces of it. They lose 24 to 10. Uh, scored the initial game opening points with a 33-yard field goal. And then it was all Northwestern from there. Uh, big game for Ben Bryant. Two passing touchdowns and a running touchdown as well. Um, Tanner Mordecai didn't make his return. He was 31 of 45. Uh, leading rusher on the game for the Badgers was Kate Yacamelli who I'd never heard of. Uh, Braylon Allen did have three carries for three yards, so kind of limited in his return to the team after a week and change off after the Ohio State injury. Uh, Will Pauling once again led the team in receiving yards with 96 yards. Benny Anthony, 47. Skylar Bell, 35. C.J. Williams, 23. Uh, Jameer D.K. was out with injury as well. Uh, Tanner Mordecai did lose a fumble in the game as well. So just kind of a rough game all the way around offensively, um, which really unfortunate because now the Badgers have to win one of their next two games to be bowl eligible. They're at 5-5, five and five, so the conference kind of a lost cause for winning the West Division. They'll have Nebraska at home Saturday night and then travel to Minnesota next week to play for the Axe. And those are two tough games. Nebraska also 5-5. Five and five. The Badgers opening here as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, kind of, I'm guessing, hoping that Jameer DK is healthy, that Braylon Allen's kind of back as close to full strength as possible. And we can bench Tanner Mordecai? I'd be okay with that. Because I feel like the team was better without him than with him. That's the thing. I mean, I, I have bought into Brandon Locke as a – True quarterback one. And I would love to see Nick Evers or Nick Evers if he had a chance to play as well. And I cannot forget our guy, Cole the Crew, who's been on this show before or on this these this podcast network. Um just kind of comparing the stats, Tanner Mordecai, 145 of 224, uh 64.7% completion percentage, three touchdowns, three interceptions, taking 10 sacks. Uh 
Braden Locke, 76 of 152. So if you kind of, I mean, he's a lesser completion percentage. Obviously, totally different circumstances when he comes in in that injury trailing in that game. Um, But five touchdowns, one interception, only six sacks. So, I mean, really, if you kind of not quite double that, he's on par with Mordecai at worst. Yards-wise, I think he's got him beat. Because he started the Ohio State game, right? Correct. So, I mean, that's against the top five team in the country? Yeah. I mean, that... I mean, Mordecai's faced who, what, I mean. He's played Northwestern. Right. Um, He started the Iowa game. That's when the injury occurred. The game we went. Beat Rutgers, beat Purdue, Georgia Southern, uh, lost to Washington State and Buffalo. I mean, he looked bad in the Georgia Southern game. Yep. And that's a. Uh, I don't a major know. F- FBS, lower FBS or FCS school. Exactly. So um, he didn't look great against Buffalo either, and Buffalo's been not great this year in the MAC. So I don't know. I'm 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 sold on him or just done with him, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes that's the nature of the transfer portal. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. And another one of these coaches where you know you can kind of look at. Luke Fickle, and everyone's quick to blame him, but especially in the college game, it's not like they totally redid their team with all Luke Fickle guys. These are a lot of recruits from the previous couple of years of the Paul Christ era. And Paul Christ was very much trending downward from the Rose Bowl appearance in 2020, the 1920 season, barely makes a bowl game in 2020, the 2021 season, barely makes a bowl game last year, or the year after that, and then really barely makes a bowl game last year where they had to win to have a 500 record or about 500 record. Right. So it's just been, I mean, the writing has been on the wall with this program. You don't get better overnight, especially not the football program where you've got more than just, you know, at least basketball. If you get a new recruiting class in with the transfer portal, one guy out of five starters, or even you get two or three out of, you know, say you have eight or nine role guys or eight or nine deep, not even usually that. Usually by conference season when it matters in the tournament, you're seven, eight deep. Yep. Sometimes nine. I mean, even if you get nine transfers in on the football team, that's maybe two guys, three guys on offense, a, a guy to play special teams the first year. You're not really all that changed. No. So, I, I mean, I think... I think things are going to pay off. I mean, that's just the nature of the business. And that's that's on Paul Chris recruiting poorly. Right. And that's why he doesn't have a job. You can you can blame him. You can you know, you can wish you can say that they hired Jim Leonard, but that was kind of more of the quote unquote Wisconsin way that wasn't working anymore. Yep. So yeah, would it would it be great if he was having, you know, a college football level or college football playoff level season? here with Wisconsin, or if they were contending for the Big Ten West, absolutely. I would take that every single time. But the expectation that that was just going to happen in season one, I mean, we can come, we can realistically come back down to earth here a little bit and kind of recognize what actually was going to happen. I'm going to remind you of this when we talk about the team that's close to us right now. <laughs> because you're saying exactly 
a lot of the same things. So, but you're going in the opposite direction for that one. Well, okay, Sean, let's get right into it. <laughs> Green Bay Packers lose again to Pittsburgh this last week. And they got, they got fucked by the refs. Yeah, that backwards lateral was some bullshit. I will full on admit that. You know, honestly, I was pretty impressed with this game as a whole. I, I was too. This was um, the first game I sat down and actually watched for since I think we went to the or I went to the Saints game. Sure. So yeah, I was very impressed with with this team this week, even a loss. Yeah, you know, it's one of those games where the box score doesn't really tell the full story for Jordan Love. He was definitely better than what that box score said. I will full on, I will defend him on that one. Um, I think he ends up with two interceptions. I'm just going to pull up the box score. So Jordan Love on the game, 21 of 40. Two touchdowns, two interceptions, took one sack. Uh, Quarterback rating, 71.8. I don't hate any of that. I mean, yeah, the two interceptions. I will give him... I will say that the first one wasn't necessarily his fault. It wasn't really anybody's fault. Right. Because, you know, everyone and their brother now loves to shit on Christian Watson, which I think is a mistake. I mean, he is exactly what... He's been doing exactly what you need him to do. He stepped up as a blocker. He is your, t- you know, the guy to take the top off a of defense to allow guys like Jane Reed, Dontavian Wicks, and Romeo Dobbs to get open. Yeah, but he still can't catch the ball. Right, I, I understand that. But even on that play, I mean, everybody, you know, if you look at that interception that was targeted to him, actually, technically, both of them targeted to him. The, the second one was not a great throw, but you're in crunch time, so you kind of have to make that throw. Right, that, that, um, one, I, that one he just forced it, but you had to force it at that point. Right. But everyone wants to dump on Christian Watson for not fighting for the ball in that spot, but it was also a fade route. I mean, your literal momentum is like, yeah, he's kind of jumping away, but he's going with his speed. I mean, you you don't you don't want my opinion on him right now. I I he, they gotta they gotta just not throw the ball to him. He's just got to be a decoy, in my opinion. That's about it. He hasn't he hasn't done anything this year to prove that you should even throw the ball to him. I mean I and get you, that. You can't tell me I'm wrong on that. I will say this was probably not his best game as a pro. I will, you know, looking at the numbers, two of twenty-three on seven targets, which Two interceptions. He dropped, I, it, dropped two, I think. And if that's the case, I you know, I'll be the first to admit I was busy Sunday, so I did not see the whole game. But I'm very much kind of over. I mean, again, some of these plays are situational where I'm not going to blame him individually for not jumping towards the ball because I mean, really the the human body does just stop as you're running a fade route on that individual play. It, you know it what I mean? Dante, doesn't it? Sometimes. I mean, I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm just saying like in general, 
the like how he was running, I don't I don't he, blame him he, for. He needs he needs to slow down is the issue. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he needs to slow down a little bit and and work on, you know, becoming a pass catcher instead of a vertical threat, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, he he can be the vertical threat to get open. I think in times Jordan Love has not set him up perfectly, but it shouldn't be a have to take a perfect throw either. Right. Um, Jordy never needed a perfect throw. Devontae didn't need a perfect throw. They just they went they went and got it. Now I will I will also say that in a in a way, play calling has hindered that too because they haven't really gone to take the top off the defense when he's been healthy as much. You know what I mean? Like they haven't, they haven't let Jordan kind of find that rhythm with the deep ball. They've limited it with a whole bunch of underneath routes where when he has to uncork it, it's a coin flip, not on anybody's fault per se, but just when you don't have, you know, when you're not taking a couple shots here and there, that's, Not necessarily anybody's fault. I mean, he works best in the middle, you know, middle of the field within that 10 to probably 10, 15 yard air air yards. That's kind of the reality of his situation. Um, the other flip side of it is when you're not having the play calling to match that, when you're trying to get the best out of him and, and see what you got, you're not being super aggressive with that play calling, so that's not the first read. It's not the second read. It's not even really the third read. Um, but I, like I said, I get some criticism is warranted, but I don't think it's as bad as everybody on social media makes it to be. And that's that's ultimately my point with Christian Watson is the guy was. I mean, they've changed quarterbacks, and that is what it is. I mean, he was a lot more effective with Aaron Rodgers. Statistically yeah. speaking, but that's that's kind of going to come and like, yeah, you 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 want to see that immediate result because, you know, the talent that's there. But there's got to be things that come together as a whole between the play calling, the consistency with the quarterback position and, and you know, a number of things that way. So I don't think it's any one person's fault. I think it's a combination of those those three things or four things that are kind of hindering that this year. And I think it'll come. I really do. Yeah, hopefully it's, it does. It's going to be a tough slate here. Right. But we, we also got to look at Devon, Devontae. Everybody wanted his head on the chopping block after two seasons too. So, right. and, and I mean, we just, we just got to look, we got to look to the future. That's and, about it. And I said this before, I said this in a conversation I had last week where you can look at, you know, these other guys like Jaden Reed with five catches, 84 yards on five targets. Luke Musgrave, two for 64. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, three for 51. Romeo Dodds, three for 31 with the touchdown. These plays aren't, are happening because they have a guy like Christian Watson to take the top off, let the guys kind of work underneath. That's what was missing on last year's team for so long is they didn't have a true threat to get open. And that's why, you know, when you look at the Packers success that they had in the early 2010s and when they had, you know, Greg Jennings, Jordy and Donald driver all working in James Jones, that team worked like guys like James Jones and, and Donald driver worked because you had Jordy and, and Greg Jennings taking the top off. And then those guys were incredible athletes as well. And, and made the catches and stuff too. 
but you don't have one without the other. Right. I mean, look at um, Deshaun Jack. I'm trying to think of who the other receiver with Deshaun Jackson, Philadelphia, forever was. Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin and and Brett Selleck even and Alshon Jeffrey. Those guys worked because Deshaun Jackson was on fly routes and getting two or three targets. But also, you had to respect him because if you don't cover him, that's a touchdown. Right. Same, and, and really, I think in a way that Packer fans are kind of spoiled by Devontae Adams because he truly could do both. And because of necessity at, at you know towards the middle part of his career in his time here, he was doing both where he's getting twenty targets a game, it felt like. Because there really wasn't that other guy to do it. Yeah, Alan Lazard was okay. They had a year of James Jones. But they really didn't have that true number two to work underneath him. Right. So I think people just need to kind of pump the brakes, realize that. This guy, he's still young. He's in a, He's not even halfway through his second year, technically, with games played. Yeah. Is uh, he even first year with game games played? It's close. <laughs> it's see. close. But uh, again, I'm I'm not sitting here like looking at this game. Yeah, falling to three and six sucks. Yeah, losing when you're down. You know, you're going down with the chance to win the game. It sucks. It's not fun. But at the same time, I mean, you can look at, you know, Jordan Love had a great game. You look at, you know, I saw some of the, the clips today of his end zone camera work. The throws are getting better. There's, you know, there's progression. Right. He had, he had a lot, lot more zip on throws this week. A lot more confidence. And it, even, you know, you can kind of see, like, you know, you look at Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed. They're kind of falling into the right spot at the right time. Luke Musgrave, yeah, he missed that one in the end zone, which was on Jordan Love. He threw it behind him. But you look at that seam route that he caught, it was a perfect ball by Jordan Love. Right. And What's in the, the only spot that's going to get a catch? The one the one to Jaden Reed for the touchdown was a beautiful ball, two over three defenders. I mean, Absolutely. He, couldn't, he couldn't have handed the guy it any better. Yeah, and you know, really, the only part of this game that I'm really disappointed in is Aaron Jones. Right. And, you know, 13 carries, 35 yards. I mean, he's getting the workload that the game warranted. I mean, yeah, you'd probably like to see a few more here and there, but when you were trailing late in the game, like you kind of got to go that hurry up style. You had two possessions in the last four minutes. That's not really a true run the ball time. So I, I get it. But, when he's only getting, you know, he's usually good for five a carry, and he's only getting three, two point seven. That's almost cut in half of what you expect per carry. That's not getting the job done. AJ Dillon had probably his best game without scoring a touchdown. He nine for seventy yards, seven point eight per carry. Exactly yeah. what you need out of him. So he had a what forty yard, forty or fifty yard carry. But if Aaron Jones gets that, he's scoring a touchdown. That right. Was, that was. I, I just, I don't know. I, yeah, it was a 40-yard carry. Um, so, you know, eight for 30, basically. Right. So he's, what, four yards a carry? Just under? Uh, at eight of 30, at eight for 30, it's just under. With that 40-yard run, which you can't discount because it is part of the game. 
uh, works up to 7.8 per carry. But that's nothing to sneeze at either, the 8 for 30, because that's that's exactly what you need him to be. Right, and that's a stingy Steelers defense. Right. I mean, they did, they're in the bottom half, they kept showing they were in the bottom fourth of the, of defenses, but they're still the Steelers defense. They still have TJ Watt, which I thought Zach Tom had the game of his life. Oh, absolutely. This last weekend, because he was one-on-one against TJ Watt for most of the, most of the game. And I think, I don't understand why he's not our left tackle instead of our right tackle, but that's more people with way more money and more brains than I have to make those decisions. (laughs) But really, I mean, you look at this game, Jordan Lovell gets sacked once. Uh, Team stats, I think, I'm just going to look at it up um, defensively, but I don't think there was that many pressures either. No. I mean, there's a couple. I don't know if I have that stat available here, but I don't. But, um, you know, looking at a couple other things here, the Packers, looks like only 5 of 32 penalties, so that's improvement. Uh, the two turnovers suck, but one of them, you know, both of them interceptions late. You're not really – you're pretty clean that way, all things considered. Time no. of possession was relatively even, about 30 seconds – or about a minute different. So – and that's going to happen, you know, when you throw at the end of games. Eight of sixteen on third down, uh, held Pittsburgh four of thirteen defensively. I mean, really, everything you look at here, you can feel pretty positive about, except the final score. Which, if that's the case, given where the team is at, I don't, I don't hate that. No. So. It, it is what it is. I mean, they were a three-and-a-half-point dog. They lose by four. I mean, it's exactly kind of status quo everywhere around. Right. So, I don't remember. Did Carlson miss an extra point, or was it just— uh, He had it blocked. The one that was blocked on that sec- on that Jane Reed touchdown. Yeah, so I mean— Because Josiah DeGuard never got out of the stance. Right. I mean, you hit that extra point, you're kicking a field goal at the end of the game there, and you're going into overtime. Right. Or the refs don't blow that call and you score a touchdown and you win that game. Yeah. I mean, it's... Which, that still boggled my mind with how they called that a forward pass. Yeah, I I wish I, I knew. I wish I could tell you something, Sean. I, I got nothing for you. I mean, it was... When the guy has to turn around completely... From the line, I mean, he's in line with the quarterback, and he has to turn around. Right. I mean, that, that was a, that was a duck coming out of Kenny Pickett's hand. Right. Literally went sideways, but it's still backwards. I don't know. And that's kind of the problem is why you blow that dead in the first place because I think that was part of the problem. It was, yeah. It if you look, you know, if you watch that game back, it was a call stance, not a call confirmed. Right which means that they didn't have a way to overturn it and that because they blow it dead, there's not really, you can't really judge a, a, a true recovery. Yes, but you can, you can see it. That's right. That, I understand that. And why, if we're, we're trying not to get these calls wrong for NFL purposes that goes to New York, how doesn't New York just say, 
yep, there's a you guys got this wrong. It's clear recovery. You don't have to give them a touchdown, but it's a clear recovery. You're in the red zone. Right. I mean. Don't get me wrong. I agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, I, you, just, you, you need refs that are refs all year round. You don't right. need. We you don't need lawyers who do this on the weekend. Right. And I think that's even part of the problem, too, is we have so many lawyers. I mean, that's what a majority of sports officials at the high levels are, is they're, they're full-time lawyers. And based on the rule books, I mean, you kind of have to be. But at that point, you're, you're so arbitrary when you're looking at, you know, you're looking at letter of law things that it's gotten to a point where you're so complex on your rules where you lose the common sense where, you know, watching that game and not even trying to be the Homer, you know, Packer right. fan, you can watch that play happen and say, yeah, that's that's a backwards pass. It should be a fumble. Right. But, again, because of letter of law and how they do their rules and because there's not a clear recovery, you know, they blow it dead. You know, you really – I understand it, but it's stupid. Right. We've totally lost – the concept and integrity of, of what a sport should be. Right. We've lost, we've lost common sense. And to that effect, too, I mean, when you have automatic reviews on turnovers, that's one of, and scoring plays for that matter, because that's six for Sean Gary. Right. Why are you not letting that go so you have a chance to look, take a second look? That, that's the other thing. Why not just let it, let it go and let, it play dead, or let, let the play go and then go review it? Right, I mean, because if, if I remember correctly, I don't think Najee Harris was in a dangerous position where you're saving him from getting hurt either. No, right. Because, you know, if that's something where if you want to talk about, you know, player safety and that's why you blow that dead soon, I I don't like it, but I get it. You know, I, right. I, I won't hate that answer. No. But if you're going to sit here and tell me where that was, a, I mean, that was a very clear... Um, moment where he's not in danger, like in a totally defensive spot. I mean, he's going after the ball just as much as the Packer players were going after the ball. Right. So if he's not in a clearly defenseless, totally defenseless spot, then again, like you said, let them play it out. Let them do what they need to do and and have have that, you know, let the flow, of the let the game flow. Right. But anyway. Yeah. We could it's go on about that all night. Kind of one of those it is what it is type things, and it's not going to change now. And all you can really do is kind of hope that maybe come this offseason, not that that's going to be the impact of the game, but you can kind of look at things and be like, yeah, you know, something needs to probably be fixed here. Yep. And let's get back to that common sense of it. So fingers crossed for something like that. Again, I'm not holding my breath on it, but... Yeah, right. I guess we'll see. Um, as mentioned, so the Packers do lose. They have kind of, you know, they, they get the Chargers this week. Not necessarily an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. I believe they're going to be underdogs. I don't have that officially confirmed. Um, I would think so. Let me just double check. Yes, they are a three-point underdog at home in the return to Lambeau field. So this is kind of really that tough three game stretch here, you know, even kind of going back to the four games against the Steelers, 
Because you've got the Chargers this week, you've got the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, so a short week, and then the Chiefs at home. Uh, luckily, you kind of get a, a nice enough bounce back where you've got the Bucks or the Giants, the Bucks, and the Panthers all in a row. Panthers have been playing better though too, so you know nothing not an automatic there either. But you know, I think if you're the Packers and you're you know you're kind of looking honestly at where you're at. If you're able to steal one of these games, it's a big a big success. Right. You steal one of these three, you know, you've got a stretch after that of Giants, Bucks, Panthers. You get two of those. I mean, you're looking at four, five, six. I mean, you're you're probably not looking at a winning season, but you're looking at an opportunity to go eight and nine with the Vikings and Bears at the end of the season. Right. And you're very, it's very well possible they could steal two of these games. Yeah, the Lions aren't untouchable. The Chiefs aren't untouchable. Right. I mean, the Chargers by no means are untouchable. They're at four and five. I mean, they're not exactly sitting pretty. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Austin Eckler is probably going to run everywhere on this team. I sure hope so. I hope I'm not, if I'm not playing him, I hope so for your sake. I have him in a couple of leagues too, but. I, I'm, uh, I play on this week, so. Yeah, I I'm gonna go on record saying I hope not then, for my <laughs> own sake. But because I think it, I think if she loses, and another guy wins, I think she doesn't make the playoffs. Ooh. In the podcast league, I'm pretty sure. Let me see how things. So let's get a quick update here, on our podcast league. Uh, Tyson's still at the one seed, but has lost two in a row. Final week of the season, or the regular season coming up. Currently, Shauna is locked in at the two seed, where she would have a first round bye. Uh, Ramsey is the three seed at seven and three. Uh, the four seed is you, Shauna, at six and four. The five seed, David Muller, at five, six and four. Uh, the three seed, as I mentioned, is Ramsey, who would be seven and three currently. And the Lambo Chef is at five and five. Now the two division winners do get the automatic buy, which would be Dave Muller. So I believe that she has a path to still be okay. Right. Um, because unless team Tor- I think team Tornator would have to win and she'd have to lose. And I think as of right now, she'd still have points for by she has points for by quite a considerable margin. Yeah, but I th- I think. But after that, you're right, I think, because we have clinched playoffs. I mean, you, Tyson, Ramsey all have clinched. Right. So that's a lot of six and four. Yeah, that's that could be interesting. It, right. It's going to be interesting because I think, I think technically you're still. I'm still alive. Me, our, our whole division is still alive between the Lambo Chef, myself, and Justin, all at five and five. I needed four more points this week against Shauna, and that would have been – I would have felt really good, but yeah, um, James Cook screwed. James Cook screwed you. Yeah, he did. Also, Alexander Madison getting hurt screwed me. Yeah. Because um, I could have had Brian Robinson, who had twenty-seven. I would have him over Alexander Madison, anyways. But yeah, well, <laughs> could have, would have, should have, Sean. Um, Anyway, so that is the podcast leak. I did not do our picks standings from last week oh. to this week. I think One we had a, we had a pretty, I think we had a pretty good week. 
I don't think there was that many upsets or anything. All the Bills getting beat on last night. Yeah. That one I don't think I saw coming. Um, no. But I did not have a chance to go through and do that. Uh, Sean are we, had. Are we sold on Josh Allen? As a whole, I still think we are. To be honest with you, I think, I think he's just having a rough year. Right. And I, I mean, think that's. I think that's in part because they don't have a true. They don't have a true run game. Right. They they really don't. I mean, they have Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and the two tight ends who are both pretty damn good. But, right, I understand that, but just as, as a whole, he was having a pretty good year part of the injury. Right. I mean, I don't. I just think it's one of those years. I mean, you know, you know, if the Packers were going to do it, that would be the perfect spot for Aaron Jones to go. Yeah, it really would be. That I mean, team would be so dangerous. That would be. That would be the team for him. But, you know, looking at the schedule around the league this week, I, you know, the Bengals fall again. They're 5-4. and four. You know, I don't think, you know, Joe Burrow hasn't looked great all season, but he's been playing hurt. I I think we're just seeing some of that regression, not regression, but I think some teams are kind of figuring guys out a little bit. And these guys, you know, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, are both talented enough to bounce back. I mean, truly, Josh Allen probably is just having the Madden curse on him this year. Probably. And I think the Madden curse is telling us, hey, it's not gone away. Yep. But, you know, that's kind of the nature of sports where you get guys who've been really, really good, really, really good. The league kind of figures them out a little bit, and then it's up to them in that offseason to bounce back. We saw, you know, there was years granted down to the same effect because Aaron Rodgers even, you know, he said himself, you know, quote from him, not necessarily my opinion, but his down years are guys' best years. Right. So is Josh Allen in that same category as Aaron Rodgers? No. Is Joe Burrow in that same category for career-wise and getting benefit of doubt? Not necessarily. But, I mean, how many times did, you know, Rodgers have a not great year and then had to bounce back and kind of go back to the drawing board on something? Right. And again, you look at Burrow. He's playing hurt. I don't know if Josh Allen's playing through injury. I feel like I remember him having some sort of thing. I I feel like he's got a shoulder or something. So that's kind of to be expected when they're not playing 100% and they're not 100% healthy. You know, something's going to suffer, something's going to give. So I still think I'm sold on Josh Allen being a good, possibly great quarterback. But he's just kind of going through it right now. Right. Um, Looking at the rest of the league, we had... The Bears upset the Panthers on Thursday Night Football. The Colts get a big win, or close win, in Germany. Texans upset the Bengals, um, which I'm I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure I picked. I think uh, I Bucks beat the Titans. Oh. Browns beat the Ravens. 49ers throttle the Jags. Kind of get right game for them. The Vikings beat the Saints. Cardinals beat the Falcons. The Lions beat the Chargers. The Cowboys destroy the Giants. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Commanders. The Jets beat the or the Raiders beat the Jets, which I also know that I had. And the Broncos upset the Bills. I'll look ahead to Week 11 here. Pretty good Thursday night matchup on paper. Sean Bengals Ravens. The Bengals a three and a half point favorite. Or excuse me, the Ravens a three and a half point favorite at home. 
Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens in that one. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm guessing Shauna's probably going to go Bengals just based on Joey Burrow. Uh, looking at the Sunday games, no international game this week, so kind of back to normal scheduling. A couple division matchups here. We've got Steelers-Browns at the Browns, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's the route that I'm going as well. They've won ugly, but they're 6-3 and three as of the Steelers. Um, I think Cleveland's defense is just too good for the Steelers. Yeah, but the, the Steel, Steelers have been winning games with being outgained in all yards. Every That's game true. They've been outgained, and they're still 6 3. That's true. So are you going with the Steelers? I am. I am going with the Steelers. I think Najee okay. has a big game. Uh, Cardinals, Texans. The Texans, a four point favorite. I believe this will be. This, is this the first week with Kyler Murray or second week? Second. So I'm I'm still I've been incredibly impressed with CJ Stroud. Yep. I think they continue winning. Um I'm gonna go with Houston here by the four. Yep, me too. Uh we've got Jags, Titans, uh Jags at home, a six and a half point favorite. I think that's a that's gonna be a messy game. That's one of the uglier games this week in terms of opponents. I think the Titans are gonna cover that six and a half. I think the Jags win that one, but I think they cover the six and a half. Yeah, I was going to go the same way. Uh, Raiders-Dolphins. The Dolphins a 12.5-point favorite. Now, all intents and purposes, this is probably the best opportunity for the Dolphins to play a quote-unquote close-to-winning record because the Raiders are somehow 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're 5-5 five and five good. I don't, I don't know if they're 12.5-point bad, but... I'm going to say the Dolphins cover that one. They've got to get one of these big ones. I, I sure hope so. I th- I th- uh, coming off a of bye week, I think the Dolphins get it done. I think they cover that 12 and a half. I, and I think that's exactly what, you know, perfect timing for them to have a 12 and a half point spread where, you know, they've kind of underperformed in some of these big games all season. I think this is the perfect chance for them to kind of get it right, come out and play pretty well. I mean, I think uh, I need train back this week, too. I believe you are correct in that, too. Uh, oh. Cowboys-Panthers, the Cowboys a 10.5-point favorite. I think they cover the 10, or 10 and change. Yeah, Dax, I agree with you. Dax's been out of this world with C.D. Lamb and everything that way, so. And I don't, think the, I mean, I think the Panthers are going to hang around. I think they're going to be pesky, but two scores is about right for that game. I think when all said and done. I think they hang around in the first half, but that's like, yeah. I think I think the Cowboys just take care of business. Uh, Lions or Bears? Lions? Lions? A nine and a half point favorite at home. Um, trying to see if Tyson Bajan's going to be the starter. I believe that he is. I don't know. I thought Justin Fields was supposed to be back last week, but he wasn't. So maybe he's going to be back this week. I don't know. Um, nothing I'm seeing indicating of, of what route the Bears are going to go at quarterback. Uh, nine and a half. I think the Lions still going to cover that. They're coming off their bye. I'm pretty sure. Sh- no, they just beat the Chargers. Right. Um, they put up 41 points. So. Right. 
I think they're going to continue rolling. I think the Bears are, no matter who's playing quarterback, are going to come back down to earth a little bit after yeah. beating a bad Panthers team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go Lions. Uh, Giants, Commanders, Washington, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. That's wild to me. Imagine a nine-and-a-half-point favorite with a two games under 500 record. Right. Four and six. Which, for the record, I think the I'm going to hate myself for this. I think the Giants are going to cover that. They're Ooh. bad. They are Ooh. incredibly bad, but I don't think they're 10 points to Washington bad. Oh, I think they are. I'm going to go Commanders. Uh, Bucks 49ers. The 49ers 11 and a half points on, at home. A lot of big spreads this week. This is making this really hard. I was just thinking the same thing. The Bucks are gritty. I... This is the kind of game that I want to pick the Bucks because of that spread. But the 49ers definitely have that capability and have been rolling and just had a get-right game. So I'm going to pick the 49ers to continue the momentum. I don't love any part of this game for betting purposes. No. But At least against the spread. Yeah. I'm going to go 49ers also. Uh, Jets-Bills. The Bills, a seven-point favorite at home. I think this is one of those get-right opportunities, and I think the Bills are going to capitalize on it. I think they kind of have to. Um, I'm sure there's been a, especially after getting, you know, firing the offensive coordinator. I think there's a lot of noise coming into that building, and I think they kind of got to shut up the outside. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Bills there. Yeah, Bills also. Uh, Seahawks, Rams. The Seahawks are a one-point favorite on the road. I feel pretty good about that. I think the Seahawks do get that win. Stafford playing this week, or is he still out? Um, I don't show. Yes, the Rams expect uh, per Sarah Barshop. They do expect Stafford to start this week. Okay, I'm going to pick the Rams. All right. Uh, Sunday Night Football, we've got Vikings-Broncos. Uh, not expected to have Alexander Madison available. Not that it really matters because the Vikings suck running the ball. But just I don't know, Josh Dobbs. the Broncos have been rolling as of late. I I think the Broncos get this one done at home in Mile High. What's the spread? Two and a half. Four. Broncos are favored two and a half. Okay, I'm going Minnesota. Believe in Josh Dobbs. All right. Uh, Monday Night Football, we've got the Kelsey Bowl with the Chiefs coming off the bye, favored by two and a half. And I think the Chiefs get this one done. I cannot imagine that there's any circumstances which Taylor Swift is not there. With the bye week in Kansas City, the Kelsey Bowl, Monday Night Football, that is prime time. Like Travis Kelsey is going to have probably 30 fantasy points this week. What What, what is Shauna going to pick on this game? That's a good question. Ones, let me let yeah, me let's, ask. Let's get I, her. I don't know if she's still awake for this, but one sec. Keep talking, Sean. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm thinking I'm gonna go with Philadelphia because I don't know. Like you got to believe in Jalen Hurts, and I think I think Philadelphia gets gets it done over the over the Chiefs. Chiefs have been struggling. I think Philly just gets it done. So, 
Yeah. Um, so she is. She is texting me. So she is still awake. As we're recording this again, a little bit later than normal. She's saying, obviously, Travi. Ooh. She's which I did going, not expect. She's not going with the sexiest man alive? That is... That's wild. Which, by the way, I think is hilarious, the fact that... I saw that picture from them that's been going around the internet of that Jason and, and both of them at Cincinnati... And it's like one of these guys is dating Taylor Swift, the other is the sexiest man alive. Right. Um, she is going with the logic that Mahomes is her fancy football quarterback, so obviously it's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, we'll see. So, yeah, that's that's just that's wild. But I'm I'm going to say it's going to be the Chiefs as well. Two and a half points at home with Taylor again, assuming Taylor's going to be in attendance. You Seems think, like a no-brainer. You think she's going to come to Green Bay? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I know this is more pop culture than we probably used to talking on this show. But um, I guess her her international tour starts the week before. Oh, that's right. So that said, Simone Biles is supposed to be in attendance for that game, too. So, yeah, and it is Sunday Night Football. Much love is Taylor Swift. I think it's because Travis Kelsey's a superstar and Jonathan Owens is a backup safety. So? Yeah, I don't know. I don't got a good answer for you. I do find it very interesting that they're not really running with that more because he's wearing 34, which is also the, you know, when Yana, because Giannis was 34 and he has, you know, there's the picture of him that every time the Bucks and Packers like collaborate or anything, it's obviously you're showcasing Giannis in the 34. Right. So I'm really surprised that hasn't been more of a combination and something for marketing purposes, but... I mean, it's Simone Biles. I mean, plus yeah. the Olymp- Olympics are next year. That's all true. So, I don't know. I will say, if if Taylor Swift does not show up to that game, I think we are going to get a heavy dose of Simone Biles on Sunday Night Football. That'd be I, think that's, I think that's another thing, too, is that the Packers just haven't had the national spotlight that much. Especially not at home. I mean, they had the Thursday night football game. What was that week four, technically? Yeah. But really, that's been their only oh their only prime prime time home game. Nice they've point. had all their they've had all of their noon games. They really haven't had even like a three twenty five game they've, for they've national had, audience. They've had a lot of noon games. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> Which, by the way, this week again, Packers at home at noon. Hosting the Chargers, and as mentioned earlier, the Chargers are a three-point favorite on the road. Um, coming off of a 41-38 loss to the Lions, that is their fourth one-score loss of the season. Packers coming off probably, arguably, their one of their better games of the season, even though it was a loss. I think the Chargers are going to cover that three, but I have a feeling we're actually going to be pretty happy come next week when we if we when we record. Right. I have a feeling. I, I feel. I ho- I'm hopeful that that's the case. You know, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with your gut, and I'm gonna pick the Packers. 
I want to pick them so bad here. I just, I can't. <laughs> I just think the Chargers offense, like, I, I even kind of believe again in the Packers offense as a whole. I just right. have absolutely zero faith in the defense stopping Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Unless you got Jair coming back, which I don't know. Even but... still, I I just have very little faith in our defense. Right. I don't I don't think Joe Barry's able to stop three incredible players in the oh, same I, game. I thought you were gonna say anybody. Well, that too, but Okay. I mean, I don't I don't have faith that they're able to stop you know Keenan Allen, Palmer, um Eckler and Justin Herbert can move too. Right. Justin Herbert's got 36 carries for 113 yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like he's, you know, totally out of the woods that way either. Right. I it's a tall it's a tall task. I want to be wrong. I don't think I will be, but I, I'm I'm just hoping again. I'm hoping for positives. <laughs> there's no there's no moral victory in sports. Right. But at the same time, like I can kind of hope that we have a, just a better feeling that there's continued growth. Right, exactly. That's all we're looking for right now. So all right, that is our core part of the episode this week, Sean. Pretty good. Like I said, I, I did my best here. Um, what is your route for, for the upcoming week? Uh, I got two of them. I'm going to go Trans-Siberian Orchestra, going to that tomorrow night. Nice. Real excited for that. And then, of course, Saturday, opening day of deer season. Well, I do want to wish you the best luck. I am not 100% sure just with how my schedule falls that I'll be going this year. What the hell? Out in the woods. Um, just a busy, I mean, I might get out three. I, I would have the opportunity to maybe go two, three days this year. So, is what it is. But, do want to wish all the hunters, if I don't end up going, best of luck, stay safe, shoot straight, uh, know your target, all that jazz. Um, my route for, I think I got to go with the obvious for myself here. It was my, I had it earlier in the show, Luxembourg Casco Spartans on that trip to state. Uh, obviously hoping for a win for their sake. It's been an incredible ride. I want to thank, uh, all of those who followed, you know, really embraced me. I mean that I don't know that many people in that town, but I can genuinely say having followed them for now, I think four games or three games really because I missed the one uh, the week of RPW, but it's truly been just an incredible experience with the fans of that, that school and that school as a whole, the players, everything like that. So um, two incredible games come back to back for them, including this last week. So I, I just hope for the best for them. I hope that they have a great experience in Madison and that they get a win. Yep. Would be silver lining and cherry on top. Uh, bar of the week. Uh, did not get your thoughts on this last week, Sean. So I'm going to have back-to-back bar of the week of Gordy's Pub and Grill out in Maribel. Yep. Um, I know I read through the whole thing last week, but your thoughts on Gordy's. Dollar hams. That's all you got to say. 
So uh, an unprecedented back-to-back weeks of the bar of the week just because it was so worth it. Right. In these unprecedented economic times. (laughs) (laughs) Shauna's just, she actually came in here and she's just mean mugging me about that because I'm sure the three of us said it probably about a hundred times. She enjoyed herself. Next time I don't need to be. Yeah, she's saying she doesn't want to be the DD next time. That's fine. That's fine. I agree. I'll show all you boys up. Oh, she's. Did you hear that, Sean? Yeah. She uh, she thinks she can show us all up. But all right, for Justin, Ramsey, Dylan, anybody who's come on, Shauna, you and me, Sean, I want to thank everybody for three incredible years of the Root for Wisconsin show. And all those that have listened, interacted on social media, liked our posts, talked to us, anything about it. Uh, cannot wait for it to see what the future brings for this show. Uh, so thank you for listening. Episode 135 is in the books. We're out. See ya. See ya.